Like I said, I started eating vegan for my health, but that's certainly not why I'm vegan now. It's really about the animals for me and about the environment. You know, animal agriculture causes so much destruction to animals and also to humans. And I think I just don't want any part of that. Welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind Podcast. I'm Christina and today we have Becky Strippy. Hi, Becky. Hi. Welcome to my place. And uh, Becky is um, the founder and the, the amazing person behind the blog called Glue and Glitter. And she is also an author of uh, several uh, vegan cookbooks. And one of the recent ones, I believe, is Bowls, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we were just discussing all of the wonderful places and vegan restaurants that we have in Atlanta that we haven't been to in a while. So I thought I'll just start recording and we can continue with conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too many to name. It's true. We're so lucky. What are some of your favorites here? Um, Dulce Vegan is definitely my number one top favorite, um, especially for like brunch. And then Cafe Sunflower. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite like vegan date night situation. Yeah, I think they have, like, I like them because they have a great variety of everything. Mm -hmm. You have, Urban Fix is great too, and they, I think, used to be my favorite, but it's just, it, it's one type of cuisine in Urban Fix, which is amazing, but it's just still one type where I feel like in Sunflower Cafe, you get a little bit more of the variety of yeah. different things. I'm just obsessed with their wings. Yes. I'm I, very easily plied by a good plate of wings. <laughs> I just tried those for the first time last time. I've been there with, with my friends. Yeah, and they were really good. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some of the other your favorites? Oh, my gosh. We don't, honestly, we don't eat out a ton. I like... Um, well, I don't blame you because you're an amazing cook. <laughs> you should check her you. out on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I do love to cook. Oh, I like Recess at um, Crog Street Market. We eat there quite a bit. They're not all vegan, but they have a ton of good vegan stuff. What is it called again? I don't think I've ever been there. Recess? It's like Recess. grain okay. bowls. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Okay, I need to try that. Yeah, I was just saying that some of my favorites are still so vegetarian. I love that place. Mm -hmm. um, the OC Vegan, agree. I love everything, especially the baked goods there. Yeah. What are the... What's the other one that I like? Have you tried... Uh, they have a, that new place, uh, Ye Burger, I think, in, in, Mid, in Midtown, is it? No, not Ye Burger. What's the... Well, now I don't remember the name of it, but you can build your own burgers and they have both Beyond and Impossible and they have all these cool buns. The The Humane League did the, their Tuesday takeover there. Was it Yeah Burger? It might have been. No. I've been there, but I didn't go to the takeover, the place that had both. Mm -hmm. No, it's the other burger place, but now I can remember. All right, well, I guess we'll think about it. It'll come to us midway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about you. <laughs> so, um, as always, as I'd love to start, tell me a little bit of your background. Where are you from and uh, how, how did you discover plant-based nutrition or vegan diet for yourself? Um, okay. So, I'm from South Florida and um, I moved to Atlanta for work. Um, as far as how I went vegan, I guess I've been kind of waffled back and forth between vegetarian and pescatarian mm -hmm. since I was a child. Um, and I would go back to also eating other types of meat too as a kid. Um, and then I went vegetarian for in when I was 15. And that was really when I started going back and forth. I would eat fish for a while and then stop for a while. And throughout my whole life, I've had very high cholesterol, even mm -hmm. as like a young kid, like elementary school. And um, when I was 25, my doctor wanted to put me on statins for my cholesterol. Uh. And I was like, but I'm 25. Uh. I'm not doing that. So I asked him for some diet advice. And he actually gave me some good diet advice. And like we talked about what I eat. And, uh, you know, he said to cut out dairy or cut back on dairy and eggs. Um and fried foods. So I cut out dairy and eggs. I didn't super cut out fried foods because um, I just couldn't do that um, to myself. <laughs> and uh, three months later, my cholesterol was normal. And at that time, I was still eating fish. So I was this weird, like, 
pescatarian, but I didn't eat dairy. It was really hard mm. to explain what I wanted in a restaurant. <laughs> um, that was an awkward period. And then the at some point, fish just started making me feel bad, like in my gut. Mm. And so I went vegan uh, and haven't looked back. So I started for my health and I'm sticking with it for the animals. What about when you were 15 and you, you went vegetarian, you said? Why, why, why did that happen? I'm pretty sure I did that to make my parents angry. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I stuck with it. I, it was, I think it was another where I, I did it to make my parents mad. But then the more I read, you know, you start mm. for one reason and then you learn about the other side of things. And I stuck with it for the animals then. That is wonderful. So it's a very long, like a 15-year road. Mm-hmm. Here we are. That is really cool. And, uh, and now your, your career as well revolves around that and inspiring and showing other people how to make that transition easy and, and, uh, and doable and delicious and exciting and fun as well. So let's talk about glue and glitter because I know when you first started with the blog, it had a little bit of a different focus and then you changed it. Can you talk more about that? Sure. So like almost everything in my life, that was also kind of a journey. Um, Glue and glitter was the name of a crafty business that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, like 12 years ago, I guess. And I actually quit my corporate job in 2008, 2010, one of those. Uh, to focus full-time on crafting. And then I was doing freelance writing on the side to make ends meet until, like, as I got my crafty business to take off. And it never did. Um, And it turned out that the writing was kind of what I loved to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided to focus on the thing that I was loving and that was paying the bills already. And so glue and glitter kind of... I slowly started sharing recipes and then eventually... The recipes kind of took over, but by that point, it was like too late to change my name, it felt like. And um, so I just kind of stuck with it and um, answer a lot of questions now about where the glitter is in my, you know, tofu scramble recipe. <laughs> it's the fairy dust. Can't you see it? Yes, it's, it's on everything. Um, so looking through your blog, one of the things that I really enjoy, and I mentioned it uh, before we started recording, is that you make, you have a way of presenting your food and crafting your recipes in such a way that it makes it less intimidating for, for people, especially who maybe are new to a plant-based vegan diet or who are just trying to try it out, not necessarily making a commitment, but just trying a recipe just because it looks good. And you make it fun and you make it reasonably healthy. And I really, really love that combination of the words because I think like it's all about balance, right? You still have to have fun with whatever you do. So if you're, you know, eating an amazingly healthy diet, but you're bored to death with that and you're not enjoying it, well, maybe there is, maybe you need to bring a little bit of glue and glitter in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that approach? Sure. So, um, and why is it your focus? Yeah, so this was another thing that kind of evolved, and it's my, it's my main focus now. Um, I feel like a lot of my friends and family just consider eating vegan to be hard, mm-hmm. and so my goal has become to show that it can be easy. You maybe have to let some things go, buy some Gardein, maybe invest in an air fryer, um, use that bagged vegan cheese. Not every day, but you know, from time to time, like kind of balancing convenience with health and um, I try mm-hmm. to write recipes that kind of follow that way of eating sort of lower the hurdle to veganism for people because I think people feel like they have to go vegan and eat super healthy and everything's made from vegetables and cashew cream from scratch and you can do that and it's fun but we don't all have time to do that every day and you have to milk the almonds every morning to get the almond milk every morning <laughs> otherwise you're not level seven <laughs> okay so this is another thing that I really appreciate you about you that you're not um, you know, you're not hiding it that you're a, a busy self-employed entrepreneur who has a family and who is not scared to put some I don't know vegan cheese on top of it but you still are able to pull all these recipes that are, that are very fast 
there and yet very flavorful. So I thought maybe we can concentrate for this conversation today about um, given people, especially the listeners who are maybe new to a plant-based diet, who are there trying it out, uh, or maybe they're ready to make a jump, they just don't know where to start on some of the tips of how to make transition, how to where to start, how to stock your pantry, the things that maybe they can add for a boost of flavor or any any tips that you may have. So maybe just start talking and I'll continue to ask questions that I always hear from my friends who are just transitioning to the vegan or plant-based lifestyle. Sure. So I actually was having a conversation with my mom maybe six months ago. She's trying to eat plant-based and she's doing a great job for someone who, you know, has her whole life. She's French. Like cheese is a food group for her. So, um, <laughs> I love it. She's really, I mean, she's worked hard and she's learned a lot. And, um, but one of the things that she said was a challenge. We were talking just about, I was asking her what she considered challenging about eating vegan. Cause she said, it's just so hard. And she works full time also. And she comes home. Sometimes she tutors, she's a teacher. So she'll tutor after school and get home late. She's like, I just don't, I can't like throw a meal together. And I think for a lot of new vegans, you kind of feel like you've lost all your kitchen skills, right? Like your whole adult life, you've probably had this arsenal of like a few meals in your head that you know if I get home at 7 p.m. and I'm starving, I can get this on the table like super quickly. And really like you just want to build that arsenal back up as a vegan. Maybe you can start by doing something as simple as veganizing that meal. If spaghetti mm -hmm. and meatballs was your go-to, buy some vegan meatballs. You'll, you'll survive. We eat vegan meatballs all the time in my house. Um, not all the time, but you know, once a week, mm -hmm. we'll do it. Um, and I think you just have to kind of realize that you're relearning how to cook and start by getting yourself some like stock recipes that you enjoy and that are easy to make and make sure that those are always part of your shopping trip. That way on a Tuesday night when you get home late and you're starving, you know, supper can be on the table quickly and you can kind of start to feel like you know what you're doing again. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think um, with, with any change, it sounds like you have to set yourself up in a way to where making the choice that you want should be easier and more convenient than making the, the other choice that you don't want, right? So you want to set yourself up for success with making sure that you're all stacked up for your and knowing what it is your plan for the easy vegan meals. Uh, can you give us an option for one easy breakfast, one easy lunch, and one easy dinner? Sure. Um, so breakfast is definitely the easiest. Uh, my child, every single morning, eats toast with, we call it yellow butter, but it's um, earth balance every morning. That's his breakfast. <laughs> it is. It takes two minutes, and he likes it, and it's fine. If we, if we feel like we have, um, he needs more, we'll give him a piece of fruit. But usually it's just toast and yellow butter every morning. Yellow butter, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we try to distinguish because at home, you know, I just call it butter and cheese and meatballs. And so I'm trying to like, now that he's a little bigger, like, mm -hmm. I don't want him to go to a friend's house and be like, we had meatballs. Mm -hmm. so, I see. It's That's tricky. So interesting. Okay, lunch. Yeah. Lunch. Okay, wait. Let's do let's do one more. How about adult breakfast? Oh, an adult breakfast. Toast and yellow butter is a good adult breakfast. Okay. Um, Maybe add some glitter in it. Add some <laughs> glitter to that. Avocado toast is a great adult mm -hmm. breakfast. If you really want to add the glitter, you can add my magical fairy dust, which is like a souped up vegan parmesan cheese made from nuts and spices. Mm, I always try good. to keep the fairy dust in the pantry because we put it on pasta and stuff too. So avocado toast, you could do like oatmeal with peanut butter and berries. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Lunch. Thank you. I don't eat that much breakfast. So. <laughs> Lunch. Goodness. So I work from home. So leftovers are one of my favorite lunches. When I don't have leftovers, gosh, what do I do? Sometimes I'll throw a bunch of stuff in the air fryer, like some garden and some sliced up vegetables. And potato. I'm really bad at lunch. <laughs> what else? Sandwiches, like tofurkey slices, mm -hmm. lettuce, tomato, vegan mayo. We are not on a health food diet in my house, as is becoming clear. But, um, you know, you have to make it work every day. 
peanut yeah. butter and jelly. I do sun butter sandwiches um, for my kids sometimes since mm-hmm. school is not free. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about some of the dinner options that are easy to throw together fast? Sure. So our favorite dinners are um, usually bowl-based, mm-hmm. just like my cookbook. Um, so we'll do a lot of rice bowls. My Both my guys love rice. So I'll, like rice with air fryer tofu or some beans and then um, a couple of veggies, like maybe... Like last night, we did a brown rice bowl with tofu and roasted asparagus and sliced avocado. What if somebody does not have an air fryer? If you don't have an air fryer, you can bake your you tofu. You cannot go vegan. That's it. Your life Sorry. is over. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I do lean hard on my air fryer. But you can anything you can do in an air fryer, you can do uh, by cooking twice as long in the oven. It might not be quite as crispy, but it'll still work. Mm-hmm. Well, now I really want an air fryer. You should have an air fryer. Maybe I'll get an air fryer. I wonder if I can put it in my kitchen. That's How a, big is it? It's about as big as a pressure cooker, like footprint-wise. Okay. I can mm-hmm. probably take that. Yeah. That's constant negotiating pantry space right. for my gadgets is a problem. Huh. Because our kitchen doesn't have a ton of storage either. Okay. So I'm curious about the your cookbook, Bowls. Okay. Tell, talk to me about the concept and why you chose to write a whole book about bowls? Sure. Um, There were a couple of reasons. The first reason is I realized that my family pretty much exclusively eats our meals out of bowls. We build, whether it's like a super stew or like a grain bowl, we eat bowls every day almost Mm -hmm. for lunch or for supper or breakfast. And um, I also just like the ease of it. A bowl meal is very mix and match. You can kind of like raid your fridge, freezer, pantry, and put one together on a busy night. And um, so I wanted to build a cookbook. The first half is full bowl recipes. So there are soups and stews, and there are certain, like, complete bowls in there. And then the second half is all elements, so I break down the bowl into its parts Mm -hmm. and then provide recipes for those parts. So like a, a template almost, right? So like a grain Maybe talk to me about what's for for example, like give me a, give me a formula for a oh, bowl. Sure. So the base for a bowl would be a grain or salad greens. Okay. And then you want to add a protein, mm-hmm. and then you can do raw. Wait, you can get protein from plant based foods? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I could barely walk here. I mean, so yeah, weak. I saw it. <laughs> so yes, yeah, your protein. Um, and then what would uh, be the protein? So you could do, we do a lot of tofu, as mm-hmm. you can probably tell. You could do garden or, you know, there's other store-bought mm-hmm. based proteins, beans, tempeh. You could just do nuts. I mean, you could, everything has protein. The grains are going to have protein too. So you don't need to like super worry about mm-hmm. it. Especially I feel like a bowl is a very complete meal too. Right. Okay. So we have greens or grains. Then we have a protein. What else? Um, so then on top of that, I'd add like raw or cooked vegetables or a combination depending Mm -hmm. what's in the fridge and then sauce optional, but I love a good sauce and then, um, toppings. So like that would be like green onion, sliced avocado, nuts and seeds. If you're not using that already as your protein, Mm -hmm. maybe some fresh herbs. Mm -hmm. I love parsley, cilantro, dill. I like dill a lot. I don't feel like it's popular enough here in America. I feel like it is, but we call it ranch dressing. That's where we get our dill. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what makes ranch ranch. It's just dill, garlic, and onion. Really? That's well, why maybe. it's so good. <laughs> that, may, that Now that makes all the sense. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, can you... Um, you, can, you can drink your tea. Thank you. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> can you think about uh, a really easy, because I also think like secret is in the sauce, the secret sauce, right? Yes. And I think it, it can make or break a dish, especially like something like a bowl, I imagine it can make a big difference or for a salad, which I guess also can be eaten in the bowl. But can you give us maybe like an easy combination or base for a, for an easy sauce that can be used for a bowl or for a dressing? Sure. So, wow. 
So the, one of the most popular sauces, um, I have two, mm-hmm. like top two sauces on my website are um, a peanut butter sauce, which I is kind of it. like... It looks so good. It's so good. And you make it in the blender. Mm-hmm. Um, What's so in it? Peanut butter, a little soy sauce, ginger, mm. all the good things. And then you just blend it up and you can um, use it as a sauce or a salad dressing, which okay. is nice. And then I have one that I call magical tahini dressing, which is, it's kind of a basic like lemon tahini, but it's just perfect. It also works well as a sauce or a salad dressing. So it's nice and versatile. Mm -hmm. And I do have a cashew ranch, a lot of nut and seed based sauces. I like a creamy sauce. That sounds really good. I need a good recipe for the ranch, for the plant-based ranch. I have a cashew ranch on my site that I really like. And then there's a tahini ranch on there too, if you don't do nuts. I do all do all the nuts okay. what about uh so do you make your own tahini no okay because I, I wasn't i wasn't sure i don't think i have a, my blender is capable of things like that i think i made it very tired oh yeah <laughs> but it takes a while in order to blend the sesame seeds into tahini right it takes some time for it to blend i've never made tahini but if it's anything like making peanut butter yeah okay probably takes a long time okay that makes sense okay what about uh, some of the utensils that can make a life of the newly vegan person easier, okay. other than the air fryer? Oh, other than the <laughs> air fryer. Um, no, you talk about the air fryer. I do love my air fryer. It's my favorite thing. Um, it's a air fryer is basically like a little super hot convection oven. Mm-hmm. So if you're using a convection oven, it'll shave off about twenty five percent of the cooking time, and an air fryer cuts the cooking time in half. Like from, from the start, not half of the convection time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So, oops. so it cooks things super fast and it gets them crispy. I also like that it doesn't heat up the whole house because it gets hot here, especially <coughs> um, in the summer. Um, I use it a lot to make tofu, potatoes. You can also roast vegetables in there. Um, you can make French fries, which is probably the most popular thing. Why is it called an air fryer? Um, because... It's billed as being able to fry food without oil. Mm-hmm. So it's using the, it uses like super fast, super hot circulating air to quote fry foods. Mm-hmm. So if I was making French fries, how mm-hmm. long would it take? Um, about 20 minutes, depending on how many fries you're doing. If you're doing like one or two like russet potatoes, that mm-hmm. would be about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you put into your basket, the longer the cooking time because the fuller the basket is, the less the air is circulating. So it's all about that air circulation. Hence the air fryer. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some of the other gadgets, utensils that are savers, saviors in the kitchen? I also use my multi-pot. So it's so like an instant pot. Okay. So um, yeah, tell me about that. What do you use that for? I mostly use it for pressure cooking. So cooking things like grains and soups and stews really quickly. Or it can also steam vegetables really quickly. Um, it has other functions too, though. So it can slow cook. Although, why would you slow cook when you can super fast cook? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't slow cooked since I got my my pressure cooker. That is the question of the century. Why would you slow cook if you can fast cook? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It also, they usually will tell you they have a ton of different functions, but most of them are presets, like a button that says soup, but you could also just do soup Mm -hmm. on manual. The other cool functions are the saute. So you can really do a one pot meal, like fry up your onions and garlic and then add everything for the soup all in one pot. Oh, I didn't know that. Less to wash is nice. And then you can also use it to make yogurt, which I was sure I'd never do, and now we do all the time. Okay, tell me about yogurt, because that's my... I have an Instapot sitting right there, but the only thing I use it for is cooking greens. I'm terrible. I mean, I haven't done a lot of cooking since I started school in general. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I really am curious about making my own yogurt. We use ours mostly for greens, too, so don't feel bad. Okay, good. <laughs> um, So yogurt is really easy. You just, I do a soy yogurt. So you need soy milk that has only soybeans and water. Okay. So usually you can find it with the boxed soy milks. Um, But if there is any kind of like a gum or thickener in it, it turns into a nightmare. So do not do it. It's disgusting. It's a nightmare. So I tried it once because people said not to do it. And I was like, (laughs) what do people know? And it's, 
the jars came out and it was water on the bottom and then this glob, sticky oh, glob. It was, I tried to stir it together and taste it and it was, it was horrible. It did not taste like glitter. No. <laughs> it was the opposite of glitter. It was disgusting. So definitely two ingredients only. And then you can use a yogurt starter. Are there any brands? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, Are no, there any fine. brands, soy milk brands that you you can think of that only have those two ingredients? I use the West Soy. Okay. They have that at Whole Foods and sometimes at Trader Joe's. Okay. I haven't been able to find it at Kroger, mm-hmm. which is kind of a hassle. But um, And then you can use a yogurt starter or you can use store-bought yogurt. And for some reason, maybe it's because you don't need very much. Um, it doesn't matter what's in the store-bought but I would get plain because some of the flavor will come through. I made it once with peach because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. And um, it tasted just like a little bit peachy, which is fine if you're going to add fruit, but not if you're going to use it to make like a creamy sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, so I just buy like a single serve vegan yogurt, whatever's the cheapest and plainest. And you put like a tablespoon into three pint jars, one into each, and divide your box of milk among the pint jars and stir and then press the yogurt button, pick your time, and in the morning there's yogurt. Wait, I don't understand. So you put <clears throat> you put the milk and the yogurt starter in the jars, and then you put the, the jars in the Instapot? Mm-hmm, right on the bottom, no rack. Oh. You can make it in the pot without the jars, but then you have to transfer it to jars. And clean the... And clean the pot. We don't like cleaning. No. So I just do work. it in the jars because it's one less step. But two you, less, fewer steps. But do you put the you don't put the lids on though? No lids. Okay. Oh, and then, that's so cool. I'm gonna make some yogurt. Yeah. So I do. I like it at 12 hours. It defaults to eight, but you can do. I know someone who does her yogurt for 24 hours if you like it really tart. So I just set it up around dinner time or like right after dinner, and when we wake up in the morning, there's yogurt. That is so cool. Have you ever is soy based the only one that you tried? Um. It is tricky with yogurt because there's some science that I don't fully understand. I did a cashew coconut one for Care 2 that, um, that also came out pretty well. But I, my family prefers the soy. The mm-hmm. cashew coconut I did unfiltered, so it has a little more texture. And my kid does not love texture right now. so mm-hmm. That is so interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so talking about utensils, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Is there are there any other things that they're helpful? What about blenders, mixers, oh, slicers? Yeah. So I have a Vitamix, and I like never use it because it's, really yes. Do you so, want to get rid of it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> um, I so my husband got me a Nutribullet for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I like it so much better. It's easier to clean because it comes it's apart. Side too. Mm. And it's dishwasher safe. I'm sorry, Vitamix. The Vitamix is amazing at what it does, but I find the cleaning process, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I don't want to clean you later, though. No, I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you. I've been using, what is it, Ninja? But I have, I mostly use the, the portion size, the individual size smoothie. Yeah. And, like, that works so so well because you just make a smoothie and then you can run away with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, with, when you have to wash a lot. I've been doing recently, I've been doing this uh, micronutrient smoothie from uh, Rhonda Patrick from My Fitness. Somebody else, some, one of my coworkers, Sarah Rose, uh, suggested it to me. She shared the recipe. And I've been doing that, and it's a bigger smoothie because it's a bunch of vegetables and fruit in the smoothie. So you kind of have to put it like in a bigger thing, not an individual. And I'm not, I enjoy the smoothie. I'm not enjoying doing the, the dishes afterwards. It's just, it's just hassle. So yeah, I don't blame you for the Vitamix. But I do have, I do have dreams of owning a Vitamix soon. I did too. And it, I mean, it is good at what it does. I did love my Vitamix for a long time. It's just, I don't like cleaning. Yeah. Anything that can go in the dishwasher is going to win in my house. Love it. Love <laughs> it. I, I roll the same way. Uh, let's talk about some of the tips for convenience <clears throat> so some of the strategies that you can that you apply in cooking at the moment or maybe prepping that that make your life easier sure what are some of my favorite tips for convenience eat out eat out <laughs> i wish i do love to eat out but we we don't do that a ton um i would say first of all i, I don't remember whose website i read this on but a lot of people complain about buying pre-cut 
vegetables because they lose some of their nutritional value. And she said, but if it's pre-cut vegetables or no vegetables, then you're winning if you're using the pre-cut. And so I do, I mean, I will buy broccoli florets sometimes, but if I'm feeling rushed, I'll buy the bag of broccoli that's already cut up or the bag of cabbage that's already shredded. Mm -hmm. It's better to get something on the table than to have to order takeout. Absolutely. Um, I feel kind of the same way about stuff like um, the frozen vegan convenience foods and like the shredded vegan cheeses. I could make my own versions of those things, but you know, on a Tuesday, I don't always want to. It's nice to be able to reach in the freezer and throw something in the air fryer and that's like half of supper is already happening. <laughs> I love that. My other thing that is that I'm a big fan of, which I learned from my nanny Dorothy as a kid, is um, to clean as you cook. Any downtime that you have in the kitchen, you should be spending that cleaning is how she kind of taught me. So that when you're done cooking, the the dish load isn't as overwhelming. Just like with the Vitamix, you know how I would look at it and be like, oh no, I don't want to clean you. If you know that when you're done cooking, you're not going to have a huge pile of dishes waiting for you, it can make just the idea of cooking seem a little more palatable. I really love that. I really like that you brought that up. My grandfather was the same way. Like I remember we had, I grew up in Ukraine, uh, and we had this like little tiny kitchen and uh, he would always, he didn't cook a whole lot, but he was he could cook very well. And every time before we would start cooking, our cooking would always start with cleaning because he wanted his area clean mm-hmm. and organized before he started. And then it would be the same way. He would like approach it in a strategic manner. And then as he would cook, he would like clean kind of, as you said, as you, as you go. And like by the time the cooking was over, the cleaning was over too. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I agree with you. I kind of approach it the same way. I also kind of have to because I don't have a dishwasher right now, which is fine for me right now. I mean, I don't have given, (laughs) I have some strategies too, so it makes (laughs) me not have as many dishes. Um, So, but yeah, that's a really, that's, I really like that you pointed that out. Thank you. And I also just want to, I just also just want to commend you for like your humility and for making it for like living your truth and really speaking your message and making it completely not as intimidating for people to put fun, healthy, reasonably healthy, vegan, plant-based meals on the table, you know, because like you're so real about it that like if you need to get pre-cut veggies, they just get pre-cut veggies. And the fact that not only <clears throat> you're able to pull it together, but you also have a blog based on that and you have, and you create so much value and, and and post so much on social media and come up with these books that like teach other people and share your experience with other people. I just think it's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. More, more convenience things. More convenience things. Gosh. Um, I also really, I lean on those gadgets like we talked about Mm -hmm. and you can really kind of like slot a strategy together. I think before I start cooking anything, I'll think about the components. We tend to do like a three thing meal. It'll be like a a protein, a starch and a veggie. Mm -hmm. And so like the thing that's going to take the longest to cook, you start first for us. That's usually like, um, rice or some, or potatoes in the pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of start things in reverse order. I start the things that need the most time first and then work backwards from there. So, you know, get the stuff in the pressure cooker going. And then if something has to go in the oven or be sauteed on the stove, that way you're kind of filling in those gaps while the long cooking thing cooks, you're getting other things done too. And that can kind of cut down on the total time Mm -hmm. rather than if you were just kind of approaching it randomly, it can take up to twice as long or more. Um, Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you, are you a prepper? Do you do like a lot of prep? It depends. If I'm cooking a recipe that I haven't made a lot of times, I like to prep everything first so that I'm kind of grabbing and adding. But if it's a recipe I've made a lot, I'll prep as I go. Like I have one soup recipe. It's like a 15 minute coconut soup. And the whole point is prep as you go to make it like to do that 15 minutes, you kind of have to like be in action. Like Mm -hmm. as while the water's waiting to boil, you're chopping the carrots and that kind of thing. So it, I guess it depends. Mm-hmm. A simple recipe, though, very simple. You can kind of prep as you go, but something more complicated or new to me, I'll prep first and then cook. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what about vegan food? Plant-based eating is just so expensive. Hmm. I mean, it can be if you shop at Whole Foods or, you know, eat a ton of convenience foods, packaged foods. It really depends. I mean, beans and rice is kind of like the quintessential affordable food. When my parents first got married and had no money, I remember my mom would joke about how they eat beans and rice so much that she turned to my dad and was like, I cannot ever eat them again. And I think, I mean, that's a vegan dish. If, if you're eating things like that, it can be very affordable. And then you can always throw in stuff that's special. Like if I'm making mac and cheese, which is my kid's favorite, I'm making it tonight. You know, everything in it is pretty cheap. And then adding the bag of vegan cheese doesn't make it that much more expensive. Mm-hmm. How much more does it cost than the dairy kind? Mm-hmm. Um, what what's what else goes in your vegan mac and cheese? It's pretty decadent. It's He wanted to learn how to make mac and cheese from scratch when he was like three are you serious? Yeah, it was very cute. He'd been watching The Snowy Day, which is based on a children's book, and mm-hmm. there's Nana's mac and cheese, and she drops it, and it's a tragedy. Oh, no. It would be a tragedy. <laughs> yes. And he was like, well, why can't she just make more? And I said, well, she makes it from scratch. And he was like, what does that mean? And so I showed him how to do it, and we made a little roux, Aww. and it was really fun. And now um, he loves it the most, so we make it every week. So we make That's a roux so with vegan butter and flour and then add, um, I use soy milk because that's what we buy, but whatever milk you, mm-hmm. vegan milk and then vegan cheese and cooked macaroni. I usually will throw in a vegetable. So we'll do like mac and trees or mac and leaves. Mac and trees is the broccoli? Yeah. The leaves, leaves is kale. kale or spinach or whatever. Mac and trees, mac and leaves. That's so cool. It's a fun, it's easy, well, it's time-consuming, but it's not hard. You mm-hmm. just have to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, to give it the what it deserves, anything, making anything from scratch is time-consuming. He was well, very passionate about it, though, so. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it's worth it. And just that experience of you together being in the kitchen, I'm sure, imagine the memories that, it, that he's going to have, you know, years yeah. past this. Yeah, when I shot the video for my blog for that recipe, he wanted to be in it. He made the whole roux. You can <gasps> see his little hands. Oh, I love that. He's very. He asks to watch that one all the time. It's cute. That is so cute. You should, I will make sure to include the link for that. <laughs> um, but it's so true. I think this is one of the things that it's probably one of my favorite things about cooking. It's not just. It's not just about the food. It's also about the connection and it's about building something together, especially if you can share it with somebody, either the act of cooking or the act of eating. Um, afterwards, I think it's so special. Uh, in Ukraine, we make uh, a lot of different kinds of dumplings. they like vareniki, which is like uh, kind of like half moon shape dumplings or sometimes they're triangled and they can have all different kinds of stuffing. Like you can stuff anything in there can have cherries or potatoes or mushrooms or like anything cabbage or there's also pilmeni. Wait, did you say cherries? Yes. Yum. Okay. Yes. Go on. Yes. That, they used to be one of my, some of my favorite ones actually. Yum. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. And you, and I, I remember eating them with like some sour cream and, and just sugar on top and, and they're boiled dumplings and they're like all different kinds. Um, and then there are also pilmeni, which is like a Siberian, Russian Siberian dumpling, which is a different shape. It's kind of, it goes like a half moon dumpling, but then you connect it. So it goes like all the way. It's like a smaller and it comes out round. Mm-hmm. Those, I mean, the originally they're, they would be with meat. Um, but of course you can do like all different kinds of substitutes for that. But the, just the fact of it is that it, they're all different kinds of dumplings that we used to make from scratch. And I remember it, it, like, I remember learning how to make the dough from scratch. You know, my grandmother teaching me how to, like, mix the dough. And I remember, like, whole family sitting around the table. And we would, like, all together sit and talk and, like, make these dumplings. And sometimes we would make, like, batches of them and freeze them. But I don't know. I just think, like, these are some of my coolest memories, you know, with connecting and spending time with family. So I just think it's so valuable that you do that. Yeah, I love it. He's really into baking now because he's been watching Nailed It on Netflix. <laughs> So he likes to bake, but before we start, he has to make um, buttons like she has, the panic button. And um, I don't know what the buttons are. I haven't watched, nailed it in a minute. 
But um, he has to set it up like the show, and then we will bake something. It's really cute. Oh, what's his favorite thing to bake? What is his favorite? We got some donut pans and have been trying to figure <gasps> out donuts, making donuts out of cake mix, and he's been very patient as they fail over and over. But we're going to get it. Oh, I can't wait for that one. I'm excited about it. It's going to – it's not done. <laughs> we um, need to practice some more. I'm excited about that one. Okay, so since we're on the topic of kids, can you t- give me – or and, and the listeners, uh, some more tips of the the people who have kids of different ages. How to make how to make small changes or additions to your meals to make it kid to make kids like it. How to get kids to get to eat their vegetables or make it fun for them. Yeah, gosh, that's so hard because kids are so different and they go through phases. Like when Daryl was eighteen months, he would just eat whatever. It was amazing. I thought I was the best parent. And then all of a sudden he would eat nothing. For That's when I started him on multivitamins. That's how picky he was. I was like, I think he might die. <laughs> but he survived eating, I think, maybe just plain tofu for a year. I don't know. He For one month, he wouldn't eat avocado. And I was like, I just don't even know what to do with you at this point was so hard that's so interesting kids just go through phases he's kind of on the tail end of a picky phase now but I've found it's up to a certain point you can't reason with them because you know Mm -hmm. they're just little and you have to my the strategy that worked the best that I didn't always employ I wish I'd been better about was um always have something on the plate you know they'll eat so that even if they don't want anything else, they'll eat the one thing. Maybe it's like potatoes or tofu in his case. He would mm-hmm. always eat the tofu. Um, so that can help keep you sane before you can reason with them because that period's just hard and you've got to survive. And then once they, and it's different for every kid, but once they hit an age where you can kind of negotiate and get them involved, um, Getting them involved, like when I'm building the grocery list now, I did this with him yesterday and said, we're going to pick a new vegetable. And he picked asparagus and he ate it because he picked it. I think just getting them involved with either the shopping or the meal planning, the cooking, if you can, um, it gets them invested. Like you were saying, you know, you're building those emotional memories and that's what food really is about. That's really cool. What about some of the things that you can add um, to to the foods like I know one of the friends of mine they do the peanut butter jelly sandwiches but they would like put fruit in a fun way you know so it makes a smiley face or something or I don't know like making I don't know some shapes or forms out of the veggies or so I don't know if you know fork and beans she's really great at that I don't know if that's what she's still doing but in her archives for sure she does all kinds of really cute food like vegetables and fruits and stuff like you're describing like little animals and stuff like that it's, it's very aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, it's more about sauces and toppings. Okay. I will let him dip whatever vegetable we're eating in ketchup, if that'll get that vegetable into his belly. <laughs> He's, he loves ketchup? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Because I keep having to turn to him at meals and say, you've got to dip food, not fingers, because he'll just eat the ketchup. <laughs> I mean, ketchup is good. I don't blame him. Um, Nooch, he'll put... He asks for nutritional yeast a lot if there's something he either doesn't love or if he's eating some rice. doesn't matter what. If I make a sushi bowl, he wants nutritional yeast on his rice anyway. <laughs> he doesn't care about flavor blending, I guess. Oh, that's so cool. And then the fairy dust he loves. That was a recipe that was inspired by him, and so he loves the fairy dust. I can put that on vegetables. Hasn't worked on quinoa yet. That's a work in progress, but that'll help him get excited about eating something that I've also told him you don't have to super love something sometimes you just have to eat it Mm -hmm. and that helps too I think yeah I think it kind of helped put some things in perspective like just eat the broccoli it's okay and the fairy dust is the the parmesan recipe the vegan parmesan that you were mentioning yeah so what what's in it you said it's nuts uh nutritional yeast and spices yeah, um, Italian seasoning and mm-hmm. then garlic powder and onion powder. And you just pulse it in your blender until you get that crumbly, like uh, when I was a kid, we called it shaky cheese, like Parmesan in a jar, mm-hmm. that texture. 
And then you keep it in the fridge or you, you don't have to? Pantry is fine. Pantry is fine. Oh, cool. Yeah. We use it on pasta and rice and veggies. Or like you can put it on top of your mac and cheese as the breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. Which if, you're, if you like texture on your food, it's nice. Um, what about some of the other, so you said flavors, I mean toppings and sauces are key. Well, give us some tips on like flavor boosting. So taking a recipe that's boring and adding mm, to it so it's not boring anymore and flavorful. Sure. So probably my go-to is garlic powder. Okay. I go through so much garlic powder. Um, my kid loves garlic. Most kids his age are not super into it, but um, maybe because of the sheer volume of garlic that we eat. Um, but I put that on everything savory that we're cooking almost. Um, onion powder, the same thing. I'm big on powdered spices now because they're so quick and it's easy to shake some on and they kind of, they'll absorb more quickly so you can tell how mm. it's going if you're gonna, you know, taste and adjust. What else do I like for adding a boost of flavor? I think sauces really, or like something like fairy dust that adds mm -hmm. a lot of flavor at the end. And then also hot sauce. Yes. What are your favorite hot sauces? Um, I love sriracha, of course. Um, chili garlic sauce mm -hmm. is another favorite. And then, um, I always say this wrong, Ch Chihula? Cholula? It's like a vinegar-based hot sauce. Okay. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah, now I think I've seen it. Is it green? Um, no, they have a green kind, but the regular one is not green. Yeah, and it has like that wooden, round wooden lid. Yeah, okay. I know which one is it. Okay, what about some of the party pleasers? So if you're invited to the party, um, what are some of the things that are easy to throw together but yet can satisfy the taste buds of non-vegetarians or non-vegans? Yeah, party food can be tricky. Um, my spinach artichoke dip is a good one. It's party food that we've been making since I was a kid and I veganized it. Mm -hmm. And um, you just kind of throw everything in the pan and bake it and then don't tell anyone it's vegan. Yes, I think that's the key always. You just bring it and then you just smile. Just put it out. <laughs> Maybe don't even let them see that it came from you. Right. Yes, that's the key. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a cheese ball that I make that uses um, like pre-made vegan cream cheese as the base. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has cranberries in it and um, Italian seasoning, which is another one of my favorite spices to keep around. Okay. It's just such a good blend. Mm -hmm. Is that the one that you brought to the vegan lady bus uh, gathering that time? Yes. With the crackers, it looked so beautiful. It's on my website. It's really easy. It takes like a, a few minutes and that's a party go-to. Oh, great. I'm going to make it. should. It's so good. You don't even have to buy good vegan cream cheese because there's so much other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I also like a vegan pig in the blanket, although it depends on the hot dog you choose. That's not always omnivore friendly. Hummus is also easy. Everyone loves hummus. Mm -hmm. Guacamole, a good guacamole is easy and no one's going to turn their nose up at avocado. That is true. Uh, you know what I recently discovered? I've heard about it before, but I haven't tried it before. The, the, the sweet hummus, the dessert hummus, delighted by hummus. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, so I, I've seen it on Shark Tank like a while ago. Uh, and I was like, that is weird, but it <laughs> sounds interesting. And I'm always on the hunt for making the like the, the, the regular recipes, not only vegan, but also healthy. So like I dream of the donut that is made of kale or something. Yes. <laughs> and then, I don't know if it's quite possible, but... I don't know. I'm up for a challenge. So like I'm, I'm all about, you know, brownies with black beans or something like that. But when I saw the, the Delighted by Hamas, the d dessert Hamas, I was like, that can be a wonderful uh, icing for a cupcake. Oh, yeah. Right? Because like, I mean, I, I haven't seen many recipes that are actually like that are really, really healthy if you're really trying to go in that direction and vegan uh, or or just in general that are really healthy. So like that can provide like a perfect texture and still look like an icing and I actually tried it I made some cupcakes for my work and I I bought one of their hummuses the snickerdoodle I think flavor they have a yeah. bunch of different flavors the brownie the red velvet I think is is the one I like because it has uh, uh, cacao powder and beets in it wow so it's really good and then the brownie one is also really good but I used the snickerdoodle on on the cupcakes that I made and I didn't tell anybody and I I think 
they went good. Yeah. <laughs> but they definitely looked beautiful, so I thought it was a great idea. It makes sense. Like a, I like a sweet red bean dessert. Mm-hmm. Hummus is just a bean, bean dip. My friend um, Mel at the Virtual Vegan, a uh, Virtual Vegan, not the, she has a couple of sweet hummus recipes. I think she has a chocolate one. You might see oh. if you could make some. It'd probably be cheaper. Yes, it certainly probably will be. Okay, yeah, yeah I need to look it up. Uh, what are some of the challenges that people come to you with? So kind of like what you talk to my mom, to your mom about the lack of time. But what about some of the other things that people are most concerned about or they think they will lack about transitioning to vegan diet or cooking vegan food? I think for families, the hardest part is when not everyone's on the, on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like if just one person in the family decides they want to go vegan, especially if that person isn't the one who does most of the cooking, that can be really hard. And I think if you're going to do, if you're going to drastically change how you eat in a situation like that, you probably do have to step up and offer to do the cooking. Mm-hmm. I just did um, last month, earlier this month, February has been really weird. Um, I did a cleanse. And it was very different from the way that I normally eat. Were there no grains? It was gluten-free, which we eat a lot of gluten. No refined sugar. It was very strict. It was such a drastic change from how I eat. It was kind of shocking. And if it were just me, it would have been fine because I like eating that way. Like a lot of whole foods and vegetables and not sugary things. But getting my family on board when they found out that they, that we couldn't have potatoes for three (laughs) weeks or two weeks, whatever it was. I mean, it was, it was a a hot topic. So I think bringing them along was tricky. And so what I would do a lot of the time was kind of make a meal where I'm not cooking two dinners. So I would make a meal where they could add things. Mm -hmm. It's trickier though, if you're going vegan, because it's not like you're going to you don't want to be making meat for your family to add. Right. Yeah, that's hard. When My husband was not vegan when I went vegan. And um, he just ate what I cooked because I was the main cook in the house. And he he's vegan now. He just kind of slowly came around. He, you know, felt better eating this way, even though I don't eat super healthy. Um, but it was a long road. I think you just have to cook super delicious food. And, you know, mm-hmm. bake it and they will come. So you just have to follow Glue and Glitter mm-hmm. blog, yep. use all the recipes. Buy both my cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yep. then everything will be great. Yep. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> the magic, the, the, the glitter, the fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe, like, some really great negotiating skills. I also think boundaries, like like whatever you – like deciding that I wasn't going to cook two meals. Because mm-hmm. – you just have to do what's right for you, too. Mm-hmm. Your family will come around. That's really cool. What, so talk to me about your motivation today for, for staying vegan. Because, um, you know, some, some people make it a challenge for themselves and maybe they go back and then maybe some don't. And for, for different people, their motivation maybe just evolves and they come to... To veganism through kind of one for one reason but then they stay for another and then maybe other reasons hit the floor as well so can you talk to me just about where your heart is today for why you're doing the vegan diet for yourself and then also um the why you you think it's important for you to spread the message through a blog sure like i said i started eating vegan for my health but that's certainly not why i'm vegan now it's really about the animals for me and about the environment you know, animal agriculture causes so much destruction to animals and also to humans. And I think I just don't want any part of that. Yeah. It's a short answer. It's very <laughs> clear though. I think I think it's simple to to see that once you have the courage to undo all of the social pressure and all of the tricks that we kind of did to our minds to justify the behaviors that were passed to us from previous generations and accepted by society at large. I think also so many vegans that I know, like long-time vegans, started out doing it for health reasons. And I think 
once you change your diet and see that it's really not insurmountable, it's easier to like let down those walls and kind of question like things that you've always considered to be common knowledge, mm-hmm. like that you don't need meat to live, and that you can eat deliciously without hurting animals, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's it's hard to think about a big change, and it's easy to justify it to yourself, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to maybe go around the, the long way to get there. That's okay. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because once you try it, then it's like okay, and you're not deficient in things, and you haven't died, then it <laughs> almost like disarms you of all of the arguments why harming animals just to please your taste buds that could be changed is okay. Yeah, it feels selfish to think, yeah, about how long I justified eating animals because I was like, they taste good. Mm-hmm. They didn't really even taste that good, though. It's just a matter of habit. Like, I don't know. I really like the example. I'm pretty sure I used it before. But if you give a little kid a little bunny rabbit and a carrot, he is not going to, like, tear the bunny rabbit apart with his teeth. He's going to play with the bunny rabbit mm-hmm. and then eat the carrot. <laughs> it's just natural. Like, we haven't, we didn't grow up trying to eat the flesh of the animal. Yeah especially the ones that we may like. And another, <laughs> and another idea that I'm learning more and more about recently is uh, the speciesism. And just, I think I always liked animals, but I don't think I really saw it as clearly as I, as I do today. The fact that the reason we don't eat dogs, well, in this country, right? That we don't eat dogs and cats, but we eat, I don't know, cows and animals and chicks is not because one is in some way superior to another. It's simply because we made them that way. Just because we we decided as superior humans that we think we are, we just decided that cats and dogs are more worthy of our love. And because we got to know those species, we some of us think that they're smarter or cuter or whatever in some way. But really, if we wanted to go down the road of, well, who's more intelligent, pigs are way more intelligent than dogs are, you know, if we're, and they're way more close, they're way closer to us in DNA. Like it still, it still just blows my mind that we insert pigs heart valves in humans. If somebody needs a valve sometime, you know, like we, and we use like a lot of the research that's done is done on pigs as well, because we're so close in our DNA to pigs and pigs can be as intelligent as three year old, like little kids. They're way more intelligent than dogs. But yet, because we don't have that experience of interacting with those species, we don't see that. We don't get to see their intelligence. We don't get to see their personalities. You know, and then we yet we spend billions of dollars in pet industry and like on cute collars and and clothes for our dogs and food and treats. And this is awesome that we love dogs. It's just, but it's not awesome. We don't quite love pigs, but Mm -hmm. we call it bacon and we eat it for breakfast. Yeah, I think you're right about the language too, because... We do use a lot of um, like veiled language when referring to animal foods, but even like how we refer to animals as it instead of he or she, I feel like even a small change like that can make a big difference in perception. I try to do that with my kid when you're talking about the dog or a pig. It's not an it, it's a he or a she. It kind of makes it feel more like that animal is helps them see that that animal has more value. It's not, you know, animals aren't objects. They're living beings. I really like that. And it also brings up the point. So in uh, in Russian, we call, well, at least maybe from what I know, like when I came here, I didn't know that you're supposed to refer to animals as it because we don't really have it. It's like we have a middle gender in Russian language and that's what it would be. So because animals clearly have gender, that we, I wouldn't call them it. And we, so we would call them, I would say like she or he when referring to a dog or a cat. And I remember being corrected when I first came here. Really? Well, not, not, but just kind of pointed out that that's not, mm-hmm. that's not how you speak. But I always found it interesting. Like, why would you, I mean, it's a dog. It's not it. It's like he or she. It's, it has a personality. And the same, in the same with animal. But I guess you're right because it puts, calling it it 
puts that additional barrier that kind of helps us protect ourselves from any kind of emotional attachment and that we don't have to suffer when they suffer. Mm -hmm. Totally. Hmm. Why, what do you think prevents other people from seeing that, from seeing other species that we haven't chosen as the chosen ones uh, from, you know, being the intelligent sentient beings they, they are? Gosh, that's so hard. I mean, I think some of it is habit. I think some of it is fear denial I mean some people just aren't ready I think changing the way that you eat food is so emotional like you were saying we have these deep-rooted feelings around food rejecting a way of eating is almost like rejecting who you are it can be mm-hmm. especially for an adult who's eaten a certain way their whole life I mean that's a lot to ask of somebody and it's it's easy to it's easier to deny and make these contrived excuses than it is to take a hard look at what you're doing and how it's you know impacting the planet and your health other people around you yeah what is your um what does your take on clean meat oh my gosh on clean meat like the cell based meat mm-hmm. i don't know i i don't know enough about it really like the production of it and the impact and on animals and on resources. Mm-hmm. I just don't know enough about it to really make a call. I'm kind of kicking back and I'm glad it's not up to me to decide. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. It's I, I see a lot of hope and the willingness of big companies and organizations that even some of the ones that are uh, producing or, and, or processing meat and, or animal products right now investing in, in such industries but i agree i mean it's definitely worth looking into the full range of consequences but i would imagine at least from what i know it takes it takes uh the size of a sesame seed biopsy from an animal so it does not hurt an animal at all in order to collect enough uh matter to to grow and further ferment uh and, and grow the whatever that we're growing either it's a steak or a chicken wing or whatever so at least for me i think it provides a, a perfect medium where given it doesn't drain our resources too much right that where it, the animals are still happy and healthy hopefully we don't have to like mess with animals but yet the people who are not concerned with either animal animal welfare or their health necessarily can still have their steak that is just as exactly the steak that would a real steak that comes from a cow let's say would be except they don't have to to hurt the cow Mm -hmm. so i see i see this beneficial from that way but it's definitely interesting to see where it goes yeah i mean i'm definitely not opposed to food that tastes like meat i had an impossible burger before i came here but um yeah i'm interested to see where it goes i'm not sure if i'd eat it or not I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I just need to like read more and think on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, I have one more question that I'm going to ask, which you probably know which one, but let's, <laughs> do you have, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Are there any, do you have any cool gigs coming up? Are there any projects that you're working on that you want to share or anything else that you want to talk about before we start closing up? Gosh, no, really. It's just kind of a mellow time over at Glue and Glitter headquarters right now. Good. Chugging along. <laughs> with a fairy dust yeah covered in fairy dust <laughs> <laughs> I love that okay so um, you know the name of the podcast is follow your kind so I'm always curious about what does kindness mean to you and how do you get to follow it in your daily life yeah I've been thinking about this question because I've been hearing some of your previous guests answering it it's such a hard one I feel like Kindness is sort of, for me, something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I think it's almost about just giving a, giving people a break. They make People are going to make mistakes and they're going to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. And maybe just like try to give them a break for it. Like maybe it's okay. Like they're have, someone's having, you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And I think also... 
part of that for me has been trying to be kinder to myself. I think trying to balance, I am, I run my company, but I also work part-time for care2.com and I have a kid uh, to take care of and a house to keep, you know, under control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we like to travel and have social lives and, um, you know, it can be a lot. And I think I was sort of getting lost in all of like the things I had to do and not really taking the time for myself. And I think it's a lot harder to be kind to people and give them a break in your life if you're not being kind to yourself. So I've been trying to like take time for like me time, even if it's something like take a bath and listen to my favorite podcast or like go get my nails done, which is something like I've never was doing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's kind of helpful. You can't, it's like put the mask on yourself before helping others. I love that. I love that. That message of giving others a break and giving yourself a break too. It's so important. Yeah, it's hard. It's it is. so hard. But I think it's it's gratifying when you can do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yes. Yeah.